a few um, guests amongst us. A very warm welcome if you're visiting us uh, this morning. Right, if you have your Bibles, um, we are going to be back in just for two more weeks in the book of Philippines, which is we were looking at before the uh, summer break. And uh, really, just everything that's come this morning, particularly um, Catherine's word uh, on peace, uh, uh, lines up totally with this final chapter. And if you remember uh, the little bit of the story of uh, the book of Philippians, it's a letter written by Apostle Paul to a church that he started about 10, 15 years earlier. And uh, he's writing that to them to encourage them and to help them with a few things that they have been going through. And as he's sort of coming towards the end of his letter, he's like, as we would uh, say, you know, catching up with all the news, he's doing his sort of final uh, paragraphs in terms of just tailing off this letter to this, this group of believers. And as we read it, we read it in the context that it's a letter to a church. It's not to an individual. It's to a group of people. And as we look in on his letter to the Philippines, we can also receive for ourselves everything that God has for us uh, through this um, book. And so, Father, we just want to ask you to help us now just to get our minds and our hearts in line with what Paul said to the Philippines. Lord, as we understand in their context what this would have meant for them, this love letter, a father writing to his children, a church that Paul had started all those years ago, and Lord, as he continued to love them and to support them and encourage them and to help them, we pray, Lord, all these thousands of years later, that we too would receive the goodness of what was written to those guys. Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that we wouldn't uh, be uh, void of hearing from you. Lord, we've prayed and sung. There must be more than this, Lord. Lord, let your glory fall. Lord, we long for your spirit over us and in us that would not just impact us in this church family, but would spill out into our community. God, I pray that we would be so full of your spirit as we look at your word. Jesus, open our hearts, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're just going to do uh, verses uh, 1 to 9. If you have your Bibles there, I don't know whether it will be on the screen, but um, Philippians 1 to 9 says this. Chapter 4, last chapter. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Do you get how Paul loves these, this church? This is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Judea and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are already in the book of life. Rejoice, Weymouth Family Church, in the Lord always. And I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, 
which transcends understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's last few verses, and Andrew's going to finish us off next week as we tail out this uh, amazing letter. So Paul starts this, this closing remarks to the church. He says, therefore, in everything that I've told you before, Therefore, because of all that Jesus has done for you, now you, church, you behave, you, you do these things. And if you can just think back to some of the things that we have learned over these last couple of months in terms of what Paul has been teaching the Philippines. In all that I've taught you to count others more significant than yourselves, for you to give Christ's example, in your, uh, living to Christ's example in your humility. Working out your salvation in every way. Showing the righteousness of God in your lives through Christ. Knowing the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. Pressing on to win the prize of the upward call of Jesus. Of knowing that your citizenship is in heaven. In light of all these things, Paul says, live your life like this. All the goodness of Christ for you. And his first in his first in commandment to us is to stand firm. Are you standing firm? Are you standing firm in Christ this morning? What are the battles that are raging in your lives at the moment? And are you standing firm in them? Right across this room, we have many things that are going on, things in our work, things in our families, things in our children, things in school life, husbands and wives, finances, past hurts, frustrations, health, direction, hearing from God. All these things are like storms that buffet us constantly. And Paul says, are you standing firm? Are you standing firm in the goodness of all that Christ has done for you. This whole expression of love for this church is that they are his joy and his crown. The sense of, do you know what? I'm so proud of you. I so love you. I want you, church, to stand firm as you face these things. You see Paul's heart for them? It's not just that I'm just going to tell you what to do. You tick the box here and you behave in this way. No, no, I love you. It's Paul's letter. I love you, church. And he wants us to hear God's love for us this morning. Do you know what? God accepts us, walks in all to his banqueting table, and he gives us the best seats in the house. You ever been to a wedding and you're sitting there in the reception and the bride and groom come in and they come to the banqueting table. They sit at the head of the table and they're always the ones who get served first at the wedding. And do you know how they always seem to be the ones on the tables that we're the furthest away from where the bride and groom are sitting, and the longest to get served. Ever been in a wedding like that? Well, Jesus has invited us to sit at the head of the table. No matter what your life looks like, no matter what your stormy situations are like, he's invited us 
into his presence. And as we come into his presence, there is a change that happens in our minds. Remember in the letter, his letter to Romans, he put a lot of Paul's letters very similar. If you sort of split his, his letters in half, you the first half of Paul's letters are, this is all Jesus has done for you. And now, because of that, this is how you're to live your life. If you, if you look through any of his letters, that's the sort of pattern that Paul writes in. He tells us all the goodness of God and all that Christ has done for us. And then he teaches us how to live our lives. Well, in the book of Romans, at chapter 12, we get this split. We get this point where it's, oh, in light of all that he's done, this is how I want you to live. And he encourages us that it's a transformation of our mind that takes place. We come to know Jesus. We're accepted into his presence. And do you know what? It's not in the first day. You think, I've got it all. I'm a sorted believer. I've, I've got my life sorted out. It's an ongoing process, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely nothing. It's an ongoing process. I think sanctification it's called. It's actually all the time. God is sanctifying us. He's wanting us to change. He's wanting to speak to us. And if we've been Christians a long time, do you know it's harder to do that? I think when we come to salvation, we suddenly realize the goodness of God. God, you love me just as I am. But I know you love me because you want to help me change as well. And as we walk this path, we start to do less of the mind changing. I sort of know how this Christian walk thing works. I sort of know how church works. And actually, when it's done differently, I'm not sure I'm very happy with that. No, no, Jesus, keep transforming my mind. I don't want to become a static believer. The more we come into the presence of God, church, the more he will want to change us. I just encourage you, when we come on a Sunday, get stuck right in as we sing, as we worship, as we hear God's word. Let him change you because he wants to change you. What happens in my life when battles come is more often I think, God, where are you? Rather than, God, I know you're in this. God, where are you? Rather than, I know, God, you're in this. I lack, it, I lack to seem to lack his presence because I'm getting myself up in a stew and I'm worrying about things that he doesn't want me to worry about. And as I do that, I tend to get further and further away from God rather than coming into his presence. And there's a cycle in all of our lives where we do that. So, God, why have you allowed? Why have you put me in this position? Why, 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 why? Rather than actually Paul saying, no, come and stand firm. So this piece that Paul talks about, what does it look like? Well, number one, the peace of God passes understanding. Does that mean I have to go, la, 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 God, where are you? No, no, no. But it goes beyond what I can physically and mentally understand. There's a peace that God brings that actually, when I line all my ducks up, it's beyond that. When I was at school, I was going to bring it. I forgot to pick it up this morning. I thought about it yesterday. When I was at school, I was um, uh, old enough to do O-levels and CSEs. And I was in group two CSE physics. And I loved physics, and I was doing really well in the CSE group. And they said to me, "You're doing so well. I'd like to put you up into. We'd like to put you up into the top set of physics." Well, once I went into the top set of physics, I hadn't a clue what they were talking about. 
And uh, you'd be surprised to know in those days I was quite shy. And so rather than ask for help, I just suffered through physics. I came to my O-level exam and I couldn't answer the questions. And to my humility, I got an ungraded in my O-level physics, much to my kids' amusement now. Now, there was a point where I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand what it was going on. And sometimes with God's peace, it's, Lord, I can't get all the answers, but I trust you even when I don't know the answers. It's a peace that goes beyond what we can have as human comprehension. You know, the world wants us to have peace in certain ways that we can buy peace. We have more money. You know, if we have fame, we'll have peace. But actually, there's a supernatural peace that God brings to our lives, even when things don't make sense. I know across our room here this morning, lots of things don't make sense. And yet there's a peace that God wants to impart to us. That even though we don't understand it, he wants us to receive it. That's the first sort of peace, a peace that goes beyond understanding. Second sort of peace is the peace of God that will keep you or, or guard you. God's peace will be, if you like, our companion. On a day-to-day basis, God's peace will come if we allow him. Now, you know the type of shepherding that they did in the Bible was the shepherd would be out leading and the, shepherds would, the sheep would know the shepherd's voice, very different to what we see now. If you go onto YouTube, and I was going to do this for you, but I thought the video was too long. Go onto and search up sheep. Shepherd calls his sheep. There is a chap, uh, I think, from Eastern Europe somewhere. And literally, he gets two or three people to call to the sheep. And the sheep are literally just like across the road. And they're calling and they're calling and they're calling. And these sheep just do diddly squat. He comes and he speaks. And suddenly, all these little heads start turning up and they look across to where the shepherd is and they come running. The sheep recognize his voice. Now the peace of God that comes is like a shepherd who speaks and we listen and we hear. As he leads us, he cares for us, he guards us, he watches over us. His promise to you and to me is that he will always be with us. He'll always be where? with us. Will he ever be without us? No, he'll always be with us. Through rains and storm, he accompanies us. He's not a lucky charm that you put in your pocket. He's not a, a so like a best buddy. He's a king. He's a shepherd. And his promise is he's with you. And he's with me. The third type of peace Paul talks about is the peace of God who is the God of peace. He's not sweetness and softness and a cuddly thing that we get out every now and again. He is the God of peace who is combined with strength and vigor. Peace is not something that is just this trivial thing. He's strong. He's watching over us. He's protecting us. Many people, when you hear the salvation story is, do you know, when I came to know Jesus, suddenly this peace came on me. Do you live in the reality of what that peace looks like? It's resurrection power. 
is God's peace. There are, though, conditions that Paul says in his letter that we need to receive his peace. How do we receive God's peace? Four things he gives to us. Firstly, he calls us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, let your, evident, uh, let your gentleness be evident to all. Paul's longing for all of our lives is that we would glorify Jesus no matter what is happening in our lives. It's his simple rule that joy is very important. We've talked before in this book about how many times Paul talks about the joy of God rejoicing. I think it's something like 23 times through this letter, he says we should be a people that rejoice and are full of joy. Are you someone who is full of Jesus's joy? Somebody who's living for his glory, that actually even in the most trying moments, God, you are my joy. And as he becomes our joy, our whole attitude changes. Paul talks about our gentleness being linked with our joy. Often when we are not joyful, we are not very gentle. We're not joyful, we're not very gentle. There is an accompaniment that Paul is asking or telling us or encouraging us to, that as we rejoice, your gentleness will be evident to all. In your workplaces, what does your gentleness look like when the job's not going well? In your home life, in your family, in your school, in your college, are we people that exude a joy that is marred, marked by our gentleness? Secondly, our command that Paul says to us is that we are not to be anxious about anything. By everything, by prayer and partition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I have the timeless remedy to anxiety, and you're getting it for free this morning. Don't be anxious. Right there. That's the timeless remedy to anxiety is don't be anxious. Church, don't be anxious. Right now, in your situation, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. The antidote to anxiety and the prelude to the enjoyment of peace are to be found in the linked exercise of prayer and thanksgiving. In prayer, we come to him and we say to him, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to cope. And he hears our prayer. In thanksgiving, we come to him and say, ask perhaps the question, why is this happening to me? And then he encourages us to give thanks to him for all that he's done for us. We come in prayer and we come in thanksgiving. We come in prayer, we come in thanksgiving. We come in prayer and we come in thanksgiving. And it will help us with our anxiety. Anybody anxious this morning? No, is, it, is this a trick question? Am I meant to be anxious or am I not? What's the reality? We are people who are anxious. Well done, Bob. Honest man in the room. We're anxious people. But Jesus calls us not to be anxious because he's done it all. I had a job many years ago. Uh, so for those of you in the room who don't know, I um, do building surveying and so on. I had a job in, in Swanage and um, 
it was a job where we were working for a client who had a, a grade two listed pub. And if you know anything about listings of buildings, you're not allowed to do anything to them until you have the various approvals in place. And uh, I was overseeing this particular job and I heard from the local planning department that our client had decided to rip out all the oak paneling from within the main bar area. Uh, somebody had reported him, they went down. And because we were overseeing this particular job, they said to, to me on the phone, you are liable for this crime. I said, and I was about 19 at the time is in my early days of working. And I remember for years, I was riddled with the fear that something was going to happen for something I hadn't done. And yet the fingers were pointing at me. And uh, to the point where I couldn't even go to Swanage anymore because the fear had gripped me so much. And I remember when um, soon after Catherine and I were married and we'd moved to Dorchester and uh, we joined the church up in Dorchester, Dorchester Family Church. And one of the first uh, small groups that we went to, um, God just pinpointed this is an issue. Uh, and uh, I got the guys there to just pray for me. I was riddled with anxiety to the point I couldn't even go to a town. And even yesterday, we, we went for a walk um, just up on Ballard Down over by Old Harry Rocks. And uh, we, as you go along there, you can look over to Swanage. And uh, I didn't even talk about it yesterday because I know God's dealt with it. And I just sort of smiled towards the town that I once feared to the point where I couldn't go there because anxiety had riddled me. Thanksgiving and prayer answers our anxiety. Thirdly, Paul encourages us to focus on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. In the midst of our difficult situations where peace seems to have disappeared, retaining our minds to be thinking about such things is hard. I don't want to be thinking about what's true or noble or what's pure. I just want to knock the bloke's head off. That's not fair. But that's what Paul encourages us to do. Often when I'm in a place where I want to scream and shout, there is a temptation to tell other people how nasty that person has been to me and how pure and innocent I am and how evil they are. And when we're in that place, you have to ask yourself three questions. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? What they've done, it might be. They might have been not very pleasant. Is it kind that I am now spreading rumors about them to somebody else? Probably not. Is it necessary? Definitely not. All these things, as we think on these virtues that Paul's encouraged us, is not that we become virtuous, but we become more like Jesus. Whatever has happened to us, we turn back to him, we turn back to him, we turn back to him. And we find our peace in him 
I won't find my peace in my family, in my church, in my job, in whatever nation God takes me to. That's not where my peace is. My peace is in him, ultimately. And that's what Paul encourages us to have a mindset towards. Fourthly, Paul says, whatever you've learnt, or whatever you have received, or whatever you've heard from me, put it into practice. What is Paul saying? That he's the super champ of peace? Who are we going to make an example of? Do like Mick, do like whoever. Now Paul's just saying, actually, I've learned something here. I've learned what it means to have peace in trial and tribulation. I know what it looks like. And Paul practiced what he preached. He put it into place. And he's saying, now, church, you do as I've encouraged you to do. If we, as a church, are to stand firm in the face of the world, then we must first and foremost attend our, to our own personal sanctification as we look to him. And, you know, as we do that, as I look at each of you and I think, gosh, you are going through the most difficult situation and you are handling it so, so well. Do you know that inspires me? Doesn't it inspire you? It inspires me when I hear stories of breakthrough and, and victory in Christ. And this is Paul's heart. It says, as, you, as your church together, look to one another, encourage one another, be there for one another. Model yourself around each other as you model Jesus' life. Surround your circumstances by prayer. When was the last time as a small group, you or connect group, you just prayed? When was the last time you just like, there's so many things going on, we just need to pray and seek God for these situations. We need to be a people that love God but receive his peace. I think this morning there are people in this room that are lacking peace. And I don't just mean I want a quiet house because we never have one of them. But I mean just lacking real peace in the situation you're in. And I wanted to give us a little bit of time just to respond to him and to pray for one another and to actually, God, in this moment, I just need your peace. Perhaps you've questioned, God, where are you in this moment? Perhaps you've lost your joy and you're no longer rejoicing because whatever is happening right now is actually causing so much hurt, it's hard to rejoice. If we're going to stand firm, we need to pray and we need to give thanks. And we're going to do that now. I just encourage you, um, yeah, she's going to stand. Let's just stand together so we're not... Um, Can we just get yourselves ready? Just come into him. I just want you to, in this very, just these few moments we've got before we finish, this is a moment between you and God. This isn't about what's happening around you. It's not about your, who you've come with. It's not about what's happening after lunch. This is a moment in God where he calls you afresh 
to trust him in your circumstances. This is a moment where he has his full attention on you and you have the opportunity to receive from him. Holy Spirit, even now, would you start pinpointing in our hearts where we are lacking your peace? Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. I feel the first thing that we need to do is just to confess before him our lack of trust. James, could you just pray for us? She's got something going on in the background. Thank you. I just encourage you, just as James is playing, we're just going to... Perhaps just quietly in your own mind, just whisper out, Lord, where I've not trusted you. Holy Spirit, I'm so sorry. Lord, I'm sorry for in this situation, this moment in my life, or where I've just tried to fix it my own way, tried to Find the right answer, my own strength. Lord, I've not ultimately trusted you. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? Thank you for your grace that blots every sin. Thank you, it's richly won, gloriously given. Thank you, Lord. You don't count my sin against me. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the healer. You are the one who brings comfort. You're the one who brings direction. You're the one who speaks into our hearts. And now, Lord... I position myself before you to receive your peace. Holy Spirit, would you come now, be the peace giver right across this room. Be the peace giver. Be the peace giver. Right into these situations of finance, health, relationship, work, family, frustrations, past hurts. Right now, Lord, we look for your supernatural peace that passes understanding. String it in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Your grace is sufficient. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. 
thank you. Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, come on. He's doing a work in your heart. He's doing a work. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Do you know, I do feel there's tears in the room this morning. I feel there's tears in this place that need to be shed. He comes. He comes. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Here, sana, kukuri, here, sana. Shara, sana, kukuri, here, sana. Kiara, sana, kukuri. Siara, sana, kukuri, here. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Here, sana, kukuri, here. As peace come. Rejoicing will come. As peace comes, rejoicing will come. Here, sana kukuriara. Here, sana kukuriara. sana kukuriara. Thank you, Father. Father, thank you. Just want to ask if there's anybody in the room that specifically wants to be prayed for. We pray for ourselves. We want to pray for those around us. Anybody who particularly feels this morning, I just know I need to be prayed for. This is your moment. Andrew, you don't have to come forward, but if you just want to raise your hand, we're happy to pray for you where you are. Anybody else? Bob? That lady at the back? That Dennis? We just, if you're around these people, just, just get your hand high. Let's just gather around. Let's just pray prayers of peace. Come on, Lord. Come on. If you feel you're able just to help the person praying, to let them know, but don't have to. Come on, Lord. Come on. Come on, Father.